0: Listening to the Watling and Owens show on WNYO 889, the Laker Radio Network. Up,
1: That's right. The greatest show back on NYO Airways. Matt Watling joined alongside Luke Owens as always. And, and Luke, it's, it's the end of our week, at least.
0: Yeah, it is a perfect three for three on shows this week, which is just very impressive.
1: Which uh, we won't get next week, Luke, because we've got the. And,
0: uh,
1: and by the way, Matt, I can't see your beautiful face. today. I thought I'd just let you know. I'm trying to figure out here. Wait, the I'll studio camera
0: it. is just pointed at the keyboard right now, and I mean, it's kind of an aesthetic view to to be able to see the board and everything. But I, I cannot you see your. You got me now. No, it, it's still just the keyboard. I don't talking, know what's going what do you mean? on. I just
1: moved it. No, my screen, nothing has moved. It's it's, it's nothing. Odd. So let, let me try one thing here. Cause sometimes we are using Google Meet and sometimes it's not the best. If I do this I think it's I think the oh oh let them do this. There it is. No. You solved it. There it is. Just gotta reset it a little bit. You know, it's a little the uh the Google Meet camera function does not always work, we've come to notice.
0: And I got to say, Matt, this paired with the Gonian situation you fixed. You're a real tech guy over there.
1: I know. And I, I just saw as well, um, I'm reading, uh, I did a test for my uh, management information systems class. Got a 98, by the way, not the flex. Uh, you're flexing. A hundred questions in two and a half hours. Wow. And he said You got can't... 98 correct. Yes. Wow.
0: Now, that that did sounds I actually... like flexing to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But the, the the point I was going to make here is that I, we picked the wrong industry, man. The, the information systems industry is booming. A lot of jobs, the median income is like 80 grand. Oh, it's it's luscious. What, what does that
0: mean, though? What does information system I still don't mean?
1: really know. Okay. <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't really – it feels like you, you say you're going into finance and you still don't really know what it is. It's kind of like that.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But uh, a lot to talk about here today, Luke. We've got the Knicks last night losing a, a real tough game against the Spurs. You've got the Brooklyn Nets set to take on the Houston Rockets tonight at seven thirty. The return of one James Harden to Houston. Uh we had some is, pretty- the, uh,
0: is the Jersey not uh retirement ceremony
1: tonight? Not tonight. I think it's gonna be, you know, uh, <laughs> next time he comes in. Because you gotta give him some some booze first. Yeah. But but outside of that, you've obviously got uh, uh, something you brought up to me. Some breaking news earlier on the show is that, or earlier before the show, I should say, is Golden Tate gets cut by the New York Giants, something that was kind of expected, I guess you could say. A guy that is at of guaranteed money. They want to open up some cap some cap space. And, and this is a sneaky good move in the sense that you want to try to re-sign you know, Leonard Williams, the other D-lineman they have whose, whose name eludes me at the moment. He's been playing really, really well uh, as well. So to make up a little little cap space, and we've seen mock drafts where Devonta Smith gets taken by the Giants uh, at 11. We've seen uh, Jalen Waddle, another option out of Alabama, which it, it kind of does seem like that's the route the Giants are going to go to. And, and Luke, I know we said we were going to try to touch on that later in the show, but do you want to just touch on that now briefly before we get into the Knicks? Yeah, because I think
0: it's an interesting conversation you mentioned with Golden Tate being cut, not a surprise. It felt like every time we talk about Golden Tate this year, it was kind of in a negative light. Like all the different kind of beefs he was getting into the Jalen Ramsey scenario. I believe there was another situation that arose as well with him uh, within, within the team. I remember he was on, he kind of got relegated to the practice squad for, for a, a couple game, uh, a couple days in practice. I remember too. And obviously the suspension that came a couple years ago. So not a surprise. there, an older guy. doesn't really have it. But yeah, when I look at this team, I mean, look, it's kind of like, you know, I, I think it's a great comparison, and I think it's so interesting that I feel like every football team we talk about is very interesting to compare because obviously with the Bills and Jets, you have Sam Darnold and Josh Allen kind of in the same years, but obviously in vastly different situations. And then between Darnold and, and Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones is going into his Sam Darnold prove-it year that we had last year, and it was hard to even judge Sam Darnold, as we've kind of argued about at length. But when you look at Daniel Jones, I mean – he needs some legit receivers as well. And I really like the core they have. I like Slayton. I like Shepard when he's healthy. Evan Ingram, you know, drops some key balls, but I still think there's some talent there. But they really don't have that number one guy, that number one option. So, you know, give Daniel Jones all the help you can to to finally get a true assessment of what he is.
1: And I think that's the most important thing, because we saw last year the the Jets rather go offensive line heavy. You know, they dropped a couple pieces. The Giants kind of did the same thing. And... Without a real weapon, without a real number one, we couldn't tell you what Sam Darnold was. And that's come back to bite the the Jets in the butt. When you look at this year going into this offseason, you still don't know what he is. People project him to be a very good quarterback, but he hasn't had the weapons to, to, to show that he's a good quarterback. And you want to avoid that with Daniel Jones. And, and look, you look at this team, the, the, the defense is set. You know, they don't really need to do a whole, a whole lot as long as they keep their guys. That could be a top-ten defense in the league, especially if the offense gets better. Now, you're bringing back Saquon Barkley. The offensive line is still struggling, but you can't really spend another first, another high first-round pick on an offensive lineman. One, because you, you kind of expect uh, uh, the guy out of Oregon to not be there at 11, although he's kind of been driving in recent mock drafts too. And, and second, you've already got Andrew Thomas. And we don't know if he's the guy, but at this point he almost has to be the guy getting drafted as high as he was so it really only feels like the quarterback or the, the wide receiver options are, are left for the Giants, and you still aren't sold on Daniel Jones, but you know he's not a horrible quarterback. So I think that's why you have to go you know, wide receiver. And we've seen other mock drafts. I'll, I'll pull up who it was. I think it was, it was either Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay had them going with uh, Kyle Pitts, and that was Todd McShay. And I could not imagine the Giants drafting Kyle Pitts at 11. I just don't think you should draft a tight end as high as that when you still have options. You know, you still have a number one receiver that – is on the board. You know, you still expect one of Chase, one of Jalen Waddle, or even De- Devonta Smith to be there at eleven, and I think that's the route you have to go. Yeah, I agree, but I, I will say this: and people are probably going to say that Pitts will be a reach wherever he's taken, but
0: he-, he looks really impressive. I mean, he ran basically the same splits as a guy like Kelvin Johnson, who's a wide receiver coming out of college. Like he, he looks really impressive. I think he's going to be great. But yeah, I-, I think the Giants go receiver, like you said, because we look at their offensive line. I mean, Nate Solder, we don't know what's going to happen with him. They might cut him to free up some cap. But that means Andrew Thomas really needs to slide in. And they made some sneaky good picks, too, as well, kind of later on in the draft. I thought uh, Shane Lemieux in the fifth round out of Oregon was a really nice pick by them last year, and he's kind of worked out as their left guard. So they can kind of find those steals. And like you said, I don't think Sewell's going to be available at 11. So receiver is the way to go. I want to find out exactly what Daniel Jones is. And the Giants want to find out, too, because they're probably just as – kind of on the, on the border as we are.
1: Now, do you think a guy like Pitts could be taken and just move him sort of as a wide receiver? Because he he plays like a wide receiver. He's been said, you know, people say, the draft analysts say that he can play, you know, in the slot. He can play on the outside like a receiver. Can you just draft him in the top? You know, let's say the, the Jets draft him at four, which I think it was Mel Kuyper Jr. had them doing, trading back with Atlanta, taking Kyle Pitts and then picking up a couple second-round picks. Do you go that route and just say, look, he might be a tight end, but he's going to be our Rob Gronkowski. He's going to be lining up as a wide receiver that can still block like a tight end.
0: Yeah, he's going to be uh, a Kittle, uh Kelsey. That's going to be what he is. I mean, a great receiver. Like, you know, a lot of people say don't draft tight ends, but, you know, when you look at the landscape of it's so hard to project and that, that's the toughest part because if he doesn't turn out to be Travis Kelsey and you draft the guy that turns out to to really not help you out too much, then it, it's definitely going to be looked on as a bust. But if he plays out and someone takes him in the top 10, it's a great pick because Travis Kelsey, I mean, se- second or third in the NFL in receiving yards last year. Like that's a legitimate threat. It's not just your classic tight end. And that's what I think people project Kyle Pitts to be. But I understand, you know, you want that receiver, you want that flashy receiver, you want that offensive lineman. I totally get that, but I don't think that Kyle Pitts is going to be a reach. Like I think whoever takes him is going to be pretty happy with with the results.
1: It just, I just sit here and say, and and saying take Kyle Pitts at two for the Jets with the holes that they have. Not I, it's at just, two. It's, it's uh, not at four. Two. It's just, it's just hard not to be upset with that. And I get he could be a generational talent, but it's not like taking a running back at two. I mean, the Giants take Saquon Barkley at two, and people are, you know, people know he's a great talent, but is a tight end, is a running back worth a top five pick? It's tough
0: because well, for you and. I mean, you said you probably wouldn't even take a receiver in that top five. So, like, if that's the vein of thinking, I think it's a valid thing to say don't take a tight end. But to me, it's like he's comparable to a receiver in his value, and, and I would take a receiver, not at two, but if they traded back to four or five, I would still take a receiver if, if I'm the Jets and if I don't want Sewell or another offensive lineman. But I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting conversation to have, and it all depends on how how – Pitts especially turns out because if you whiff on a quarterback early like a Zach Wilson or a Fields, you know, people are going to say, Yeah, you missed, but that was the right pick at the time. I mean, no one's going back and saying the Jets shouldn't have drafted Sam Donald. They're just looking now and saying he didn't really work out the way they thought he would.
1: Right. And we'll move over to the Knicks now, Luke, before we have to go to break in a couple minutes. And last night was not what you want. You lose the game 119 to 93 against the Spurs. You can't find any rhythm. And to me, at least, what hurts the most is the 16 turnovers, because this is supposed to be a well-disciplined, well-coached, defensive team that doesn't make mistakes. And you can, you can say, you can be okay with missing shots, because you know that this team's not very talented. But the turnovers they had, I don't want to say they're effort-based, but they're sloppy. They're lazy. They're not what a Tom Thibodeau team does. And, he, and Tom kind of said that last night after the game. You know, he said, you get what you deserved. You know, we deserved this. We didn't play our best. We need to play well for 48 minutes, and we didn't do that. And I get there's some injuries. I get you don't have D-Rose and some other pieces. You know, Alfred Payton not playing either. But it's the effort to me. And you need to put in a better effort in that game. You don't need to win it. But when you're playing San Antonio, and, they're, and they just played an overtime game the night before, you've got to play better than how the Knicks did.
0: You do. And I think this kind of goes into, you know, we talked about uh, yesterday and and Monday about how the Knicks have been playing and how, you know, they're playing well. The expectations may be rising a little bit, but this is I I don't want to like I don't you know, I don't want to poo poo on the the Knicks parade at all. But I'm just saying we talked about on Monday saying, yeah, they're playing really well, but there's still some holes. And the holes really are the ones that you kind of pointed out before the show and that we've kind of talked about is that when Julius Randle doesn't play great and he didn't play great. Uh, yesterday was six of 16, one of five from three, only 14 points, minus 18 on the floor. And when he's not going, it's like, who's your options? You know, Derek Rose is out due to COVID. Uh, Peyton is, is, uh, injured right now. You know, Frank started at point guard, had a, had a pretty decent game for, for his standards, but there's just not a ton of scoring. And you look at the bench Emmanuel quickly had a good game, 26 points, uh, six of 13 from three struggled a little bit inside the arc, which is kind of concerning, but he had a good game. But then, I mean, Alex Burke, four points, Kevin Knox, seven, Obi Toppin, seven, and just bad percentage of shooting. Like This is just not a deep team when it comes to scoring, and I think that's their biggest issue because Julius Randle developing into an all-star scorer was the best thing that happened to this team because without him, who's their scores? I mean, R.J. Barrett's been very inconsistent. Derek Rose is a great ad, but he's not pouring in 30 a night, and that's the biggest problem for the Knicks is their defense has been there, but the scoring paired, like you said, with sloppy turnovers last night. That's something that I think we got to keep an eye on because this team just does not have a ton of offensive firepower.
1: And I guess one thing you like from Toppin is he only puts up seven points, but 43% from the field, three of seven shooting is, is fine for him. You know, he's kind of trying to take those steps forward. I just like
0: to, I'd like to see him shoot a little bit more. I mean, 26 minutes, only seven shots, but they you know, obviously a on the
1: team, I mean, Manuel quickly took the most shots on the team at 21. They only had 81 shots. And I guess you want to compare yeah. it to the Spurs' 89. You know, it's not that much of a difference. But Julius Randle took 16. You know, there's not a whole lot of shots that are being taken for the Knicks. And, and Luke, I'm sorry to switch gears for a second. And you're going to get really mad at me for saying this. Oh, boy. But you fell to the autocorrect curse. And I almost, yeah, it almost I. got me. It almost got me on Facebook when, when I was posting about the show. But you wrote Marcus Mary's agent, not Marcus May. Wow. Marcus wow. Mary's agent sounds off. That's just brutal. And, and it happened to me, so I don't blame you. But I just wanted to bring it to the attention of our audience because I'm a bad guy. And and that was not me on the Twitter. That was Luke Owens.
0: I mean, wow. I and mean, that's, that's why you double-check things. I mean, that's, that's, that's just embarrassing
1: check. for me. That's why you also don't post it five minutes before the show. Okay, I was busy, like I said, but... I was busy too. I was making my own dinner. I was driving over here. I was setting things up. I still got home. Was making my own dinner. Insinuate that your mom makes your dinner, okay. or you're, uh, wherever you are in this compound, you have someone making it for you. I should say. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You are. What was you're, not, you're not. Right. completely wrong. So there, I, I corrected it and Thank I sent you. it out. What, late. Was, what was for dinner?
0: For me? Yeah. It was a nice. It was Italian sausage uh, soup type of deal. That, that sounds was um, really good. It was like Italian sausage with uh, some pasta, some like noodles and some uh, some white beans and uh, a little bit of mozzarella cheese sprinkle on top. What's, it the, uh, what's the
1: broth for? Is it a chicken broth? Is it a tomato-y kind of thing? It's a tomato type of Ooh, broth with the Italian sausage paired very nicely. It sounds like a nice almost Italian chili, if you will. Yeah, that's kind of what it
0: reminded me of. I've never had it before and I'm not really a big fan of trying new dinners like that, but I did like it.
1: Pleasantly surprised. Wow. So we'll, we'll get back to the Knicks here, Luke, because that's what the people want to hear. And you face a team tomorrow in the Pistons, and that's your last game before the All-Star break. You open things up uh, next Thursday against Milwaukee, and you've got to win this game because the second half of the season for every single team is crammed with a lot more games because of COVID cancellations and things like that. And I look at the teams that the comp- Knicks are keep competing with. Boston right now is ahead of them. You've got... <laughs> The Raptors, you know, a game or so in that mix. You've got, uh, what's the third team? Toronto in that mix. I, I already said Toronto.
0: Indiana, Indiana? as well. Indiana?
1: No, what's that third team we talked about yesterday? Oh, the, oh, the Heat. The Heat. The Heat are ahead of them, The Heat, actually. yeah. This is where you could see the Knicks start to falter. And, you know, we kind of said it, talked about it last night. But you've got to start packing wins up. Because the Heat, they're not going to be a 500 team down the stretch. They're just not. They're better than that. The Celtics, you don't expect them to be a 500 team down the stretch. They're going to be better. Those two teams could win at a 75% clip. And that's where you see the, the Knicks start to fall out. So it's so important to win the, the gimme games. You know, games against teams like the Pistons. T- teams like, where else? You know, these, these other teams that are that are lesser. You know, Detroit, Oklahoma City, Washington, Minnesota. Those are the teams you've got to beat. I guess you can throw Atlanta in there if you want as well. You can't afford to lose to bad teams Because that's what bad teams do. If you're a mediocre team, if you're a playoff team, you're winning those games. And I think if the Knicks can do that, if they can take care of business for the entire season against those mediocre teams, they might not be a top five team, but they'll be seven or eight. Yeah,
0: I still think they're going to be okay making the playoffs or playing in the play-in round. But my biggest concern is you talk about the stacking of games. Knicks played the second least amount of back-to-backs in the first half. And that's kind of how the NBA worked their schedule. They're going to have a lot of back-to-backs in that second half. You know, there's been a lot of teams that have played a lot of back-to-backs. Like I know Orlando has, you know, being a, a Magic fan, I know they've played the the third most back-to-back so far this year. So the Knicks are going to see a lot of those back-to-back games. And you look at this roster and the way that Tibbs plays them. I mean, Derek Rose played 40 minutes, I believe, and 38 back-to-back, even in a blowout against the Pistons. You know, he's not a young guy. You know, you you have Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, they're young, but you know, you, you just gotta make sure that these guys stay healthy down the stretch because, you know, if if the Knicks lose any type of scoring, that's what's gonna be kind of their downfall. Because as I mentioned earlier, they just don't have a ton of scoring to go around. And I also wonder if their defensive effort kind of is a little bit lackluster. You know, Tibbs is gonna be on them still, but when you're playing that many games and that few of games, it's definitely
1: tiring on the legs. It'll certainly be, be rough to say the least. And and Luke, one last thing before we go to break. Brian Windhorst, everyone's favorite. ESPN and analyst. Says, he, he said this on his podcast. Within the next 12 months, a superstar or star player will demand a trade to New York. I don't know who it's going to be. I have some guesses. I'm not going to say that right here. I'll let you guys start thinking about that. Why would you say this? Why would you say this if you're Brian Windhorse? Because it, it's baseless. Farm. You can't. The Knicks and the fans and, and the NBA, they can't back this up. I could anyone can make that blanket statement. I could say that right here and it would hold the same weight as Brian Windhorse. It's it's a clown show move because if
0: someone demands a trade to the Knicks within the next year, Windhorse would be like, Well, I told you guys the star was gonna demand his way to the Knicks. Like it, it's it's really ridiculous, and it kind of just feeds into the the media kind of trying to get the Knicks fans riled up and things like that. And I heard Jay Will, uh Jay Williams go out and, and say, uh that Luca could be the guy to request a trade. From them. Like I don't see Luca leaving the Mavs within the next year. I mean, it's just like throwing out names and throwing out things like this. It just bothers me because he's like, Oh, I I know names. so I'm not going to name any like that to me. That's just shoddy reporting. You're listening to the Watling and Owen podcast sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker radio network,
1: Marcus May's agent, not too happy with how the jets have handled his client and, and I'll kind of lay out the facts first. And it's, uh, NFL insider Field Yates tweeted about the Jets' cap space and how they'll have around $80 million to play with, and they can go out there and get whoever they want with the, with the first-round picks that they do have. And now Marcus May's agent Eric Burkhart responds to the tweet and said, yet refused to take care of their best player, captain, and team-voted MVP in his prime who had several All-Pro bo- votes and who has played out his entire rookie deal and even changed positions on his contract year after they got rid of last year's All-Pro safety. And then he ends the tweet with a peace sign. Now, Luke, no know, knowing you, you're obviously pro player. You're you're a guy that's kind of been about that. And I'm not saying that it's the bad thing. I'm I'm not saying it like that. But you're someone that always likes to take the side of the player because they're in a situation where they don't get to make money a whole lot. Owners own the team forever, players have a shortened um, you know, career span. And not taking care of your player, you kind of see that as a bigger issue, right?
0: yeah but that's not even how i really apply to this situation the way that i see the situation which is first of all this man eric burkhart i swear he fit more characters into that tweet than are actually allowed like that man he used some abbreviations and stuff but that was a long tweet like there was a lot in that tweet i was very impressed i think he had to have used the entire what is it, 180 characters at this point it's, i think it's 280 now 280 okay at maybe, maybe that's 40 and it got doubled Maybe you got the extender. I've heard like some people can get more. I, I don't know. I've heard. You pay things, for more.
1: That's part of the, uh, the new deal for Twitter.
0: Yeah. I've heard that they're opening some. Yeah. You can pay for it. Yeah. It's weird. Would you but, pay uh, for my tweets? I- What'd you say? would
1: you pay for my tweets?
0: Oh, of course. No, you don't, you don't tweet enough for me to pay for your tweets. I'm sorry. You just don't. That's, that's good like point. you pop in every once in a while and drop a banger, but it's just not as frequent. Like I'd, I'll tweet like three, four times a day,
1: but do you want quantity or quality?
0: I mean, that's the question. I mean, I, mean I like the, the, the Buffalo viable. Bills.
1: According to the Bills, it's, it, you know, qualities worked, or quantities worked out.
0: Maybe you're just the New York Jets sitting back waiting Damn. for that that star to hit, and it just yep. never happened. Waiting for uh,
1: Deshaun Watson. Push my chip. Waiting there.
0: for Marcus May to to resign. But yeah, when I look at this, I, I wonder if, you know, and I could be off base here, but I wonder if Burkhart saw this situation and was like, you know what? Like, we're not getting that much attention from the Jets. You know? You know, he's kind of that, that needy that needy type. And he's like, you know, they're talking about Sam Darnold. They're talking about who to draft and they haven't really talked to us. So maybe he, he responds to this tweet and look what happens. I mean, people start talking about it. Reporters ask Joe Douglas about it. Joe Douglas has to answer. So, you know, maybe this is kind of a weird long winded way of trying to negotiate a contract. And what he says is totally correct. I mean, Marcus may was one of the main guys that we talked about this year that had a great year. I mean, he was fantastic. I think he finished out as the number two safety, according to pro football focus, had a fantastic year. You know, everyone was talking about how the Jets didn't need Jamal Adams, how badly they won that trade. And I understand why Marcus May is frustrated that he hasn't, you know, gotten talked to yet. It seems like since then they've been talked to. But if I'm Marcus May or his agent, of course I'm upset that we haven't really gotten the contract negotiations going much after such a great season.
1: But I would I would think, and, and based on what Joe Douglas has said, is that they've had conversations. Joe Douglas, you know, said that we've had productive conversations about a new contract. You know, we've been talking already. And the one thing you have to look at with, with good GMs and good management is they don't care about you know they take care of their own, but they're not going to overspend. And right now, for, for Joe Douglas and for the management for the Jets, you have 80 excuse me, 80 million dollars. But 20 million that's going to go away when you, when you sign your second overall pick. A good chunk of that's going to go away when you sign the 23rd overall pick. Like, you've got to be smart with, with your money. You can't be throwing things around left and right. And Marcus may. Had a great year on a really bad defense. And it goes back to the Jamal Adams things. We can win with you. We can win without you. So if he's going to want a huge contract, one, there's no rush for the Jets. There's not a rush to go out and sign your guy. You can still fall back on it. And I look at every good manager and every good you know, player personnel guy, and they don't rush to sign their guys. They're not jumping over joy, jumping over bridges to sign to, and overpay who they have. You know, look at Lou Lamarillo and what he's done with the Islanders. Matt Barzell almost missed training camp. And I guess it's different, and you ultimately have to trust your general manager. And maybe Burkhart doesn't trust Joe Douglas, and that's a whole different argument. But general managers aren't running to sign their guys right away.
0: But is it worth, you know, letting May ultimately... I don't know if he will, but what if he walks? I mean, maybe he's not a priority for the Jets, but he was the best player in your defense last year. Granted, it wasn't a great defense, But you already kind of had the Jamal Adams situation and and fans obviously were able to to get, you know, they celebrated because Jamal Adams didn't have a great year at the Seahawks. But if you let Marcus May walk and he goes out and plays great for a team, I mean, that's got to sting a little because this was a great trade for the Jets. They get a guy in Marcus May. It feels like they almost discovered him in a way. I mean, he was a solid player in Seattle, but he wasn't what he was last year. And I just wonder, you know, if you stick the franchise tag on him, we saw that that's done in Dallas with Dak Prescott. That relationship seems to be a little bit fractured. So if you stick the franchise tag on a guy, it you know, it can definitely be a, a, a big deal for them. And I understand, you know, Joe Douglas doesn't need to rush to to sign Marcus Mad by any means. But clearly this is has, something has, has rubbed them the wrong way in the negotiations. You know, maybe they had started, but if they had started, you know, why is his agent tweeting about how they, they refuse to even try to take care of him? But do,
1: do you honestly, th- I mean, I guess the other question is for the Jets and we've seen it with Robbie Anderson Joe Douglas is a weird dude when it comes to negotiating. It's been odd. I mean, you let Robbie Anderson walk for 16 million, for $18 million guaranteed. Right? Robbie yeah. Anderson signed a $10 million, you know, annual average value contract last offseason for two years. And you're gonna let him walk like that? Like that to me is weird. And I and I see where it's going. But let's not act like Joe Douglas isn't, you know, he's it's not Marcus May's guy. You know, Marcus May's not his guy. I could see them moving on, and and it would stink and be terrible. But this could be a complete rebuild again, Luke. Like, this could be continuing to, you know, to just light everything on fire and, and build it up from scratch. You can move on from Sam Dahl for another first. You can move on from Marcus May, which the the dumb thing there is if you thought you'd move on from him, you should have traded him at the deadline. Like, there, there's other ways to go about this. And I just think Marcus May needs to be a touch more patient because I get it. You want to get signed. You want to get your money. But let's not act like the NFL took a huge hit in COVID. And for the Jet side of things, if you go up and say, look, we'll take care of you, don't worry about it. That's the thing to me that needs to be expressed from Joe Douglas. So I kind of see it as both sides. At first, I was really on the side of Joe Douglas because I think that, you know, players should not should have to wait, but you know, you don't need to sign your guys right away. And I respect a guy like Mark May for playing out the entire contract. I respect the way he plays and how good he was, but with the way free agency is gonna be this offseason, the Jets could get a lot of really, really talented pieces for very cheap, given how the cap is gonna de- is gonna go down a little bit. So for Marcus May, it comes down to communication and you just have to hope that Joe Douglas has communicated with him and said, Look, like we got you. And it maybe he hasn't, but then that's where I kind of followed Joe Douglas. Well, let's not forget
0: too, and the quarterback is the most position or uh, the most important position in the game. But the Jets' defense is pretty bad last year. I mean, they still have some pieces to fill as well, and it might not be the priority for Joe Douglas to have a great defense right now. But I mean, I feel like Marcus May is is a nice start. I mean, you have a really solid a really solid safety, excuse me, that can cover, that can you know he, he's a lot different than Jamal Adams, who's basically a glorified linebacker that can that can get to the quarterback. You know, we saw Marcus May make some absolutely great plays in the secondary as well. So you know, I I just feel like maybe he he thinks like you know what about us what about this side of the ball what about uh, our defense which also needs some work on it because you can have a great quarterback and you can put up big numbers like Deshaun Watson but if your defense is terrible then it's not really going to translate into winning football games
1: and that's another thing that Joe Douglas brought up with his conversations with the media today as well uh he was asked about if you know if you would trade an abundance of draft picks for one player you know you can't name Deshaun Watson cuz it's tampering but Joe Douglas said that if we want to be a team that competes for yearly Super Bowls, we have to hit on all of our draft picks, or on our draft picks, and it seems like he's signifying, look, we've got a lot more work than just Deshaun Watson, which, you know, is a fair thing, it, it never, it does not feel like the Jets are going to get Deshaun Watson, it just doesn't at this point, I think it would have already happened, uh, could they go out there and maybe get Russell, Russell Wilson, you know, there's a, there's a possibility, maybe he's, maybe the two sides want to move on. But it feels like they're going to go with Sam Donald or someone through the draft, which at this point, I still don't know the answer. You know, I still kind of go back and forth with what they should do every single day.
0: Yeah, it's a tough decision. I agree. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be moving over the Jets either. And I think a big part of that is because, yes, the Jets have a lot of draft capital and they could flip that for a quarterback. But there's a lot of holes on this team. I mean, they need a legit number one receiver. They need some help on the offensive line. They need a lot of help on the defense as well. Like this is not a Deshaun Watson away from winning a championship. And I said that when we first started talking about Deshaun Watson. And I, I got to say, man, I might be as smart as Joe Douglas. Cause I said, you got to hold on to those picks because if you get Deshaun Watson, you're just, you're just going to be the Texans. You're still going to be, yes, you add that flash and you're going to have a finally a star player on the New York jets, which they've been craving for so long. But if you just empty everyone for Deshaun Watson, don't have a first round pick for the next three years, then how are you really helping yourself? Yeah, you can do free agency, but they kind of tried that. Didn't really work out with Bell and with Mosley and with other guys. So it's kind of one of those things where, yes, you want Deshaun Watson, but at the cost that he's going to cost, you don't want that. Again, a guy like Russell Wilson or someone like that might be lesser, but a guy in his prime right now, and Deshaun Watson, you're you're not going
1: to get for cheap. Luke, on man rush coming up next for, for you. You're leading us through it. How does it look? It looks pretty good. I'm I'm excited for it. You know, I, I had fun yesterday with Zach leading it, but I guess I gotta step it up today. You got the short end of the stick this week, don't you? Two odd man oh, runs yeah. for you, none for me. Two. Yeah, it's Sitting it's kind pretty. of ridiculous. again. Pretty.
0: Again, the Wattling and Owen show. I remind the people.
1: I don't know why you're saying it like that. I wrote more than you have this week in terms of stories. Yesterday oh, I wrote two. I today that. I wrote the bigger story. Come on. You wrote the Knicks. That was yeah, one story. I wrote more than you had to. What'd you write? That was one story. I wrote Marcus write? May. Marcus I wrote May, Aaron wrote... Boone. And I wrote Oddman. Three stories. Okay, because you're supposed to run Odd Man. It doesn't count. Oh, uh, it doesn't count now. You wrote Aaron but Boone. Still... You wrote a sentence. Oh, my goodness. Marcus May, you I wrote had... one story. Look at the amount of words I wrote. I wrote, like, two pages.
0: Yeah, and we barely even talked. We, we barely even went through the Knicks. That, that's how unimportant well, whose your
1: Whose fault is that? Was. Whose fault is that? Mine? Well, it's it's called fault. Yes, it is my fault it's Golden
0: Tate's fault. You're listening to the Watling and Owens podcast, sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network. Back here on the Watling and Owen show, Odd Man Rush here on a Wednesday as we wrap up our final show of the week, as Matt mentioned. But we'll get, we get we a few days off, a few days away from us, then we'll be back on Monday. So don't don't go anywhere, unless there's hockey. I don't know. I don't know the hockey schedule at this point.
1: We've got a, a game on Wednesday at 8 o'clock, so I'll be there doing the game Uh you will, as per Aaron coming out of retirement. Quest. Yeah, I'm hoping for next weekend too. I'd like to get on more of the games. The, the weekday games throw me off. I'm not going to lie, because yeah, as, be, as a master student, I'm not taking you know broadcasting 108. You know, I'm not taking you know reporting. I'm taking the real, the real difficult stuff, technology and culture, yeah. which you took. But I'm taking it. at The, the, it's the good class, level. great class, very exciting. Um, f- funny story we had to do a peer edit for one of our uh, essays and the person editing my story goes you know my, my reading comprehension is not great but I couldn't find where you use this this film for support of your analysis wow and it was right there like I think a five year old could have pointed it out they wouldn't know what it means <laughs> but they would have seen it like you had it like lined up and everything I mean I wrote, I, I wrote like in this film, and I used the names of the people, and then I connected it back to my point, in my thesis. So I thought I did they pretty well.
0: Wait, the thought was that you didn't apply it correctly? They didn't
1: think that I even referred to the film. Oh, They couldn't that's find weird. the example, and it was right there.
0: Okay, I got you. I got you.
1: Well, let's jump into Odd Man
0: here. And our first story comes from the NFL and the Buffalo Bills, where. Sports Illustrated Albert Breer uh, reported that the Bills have proposed a rule change to the NFL that would postpone all coaching interviews uh, and filling vacancies until after the Super Bowl. Of course, this comes after uh, the Bills' offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. And then we've seen you know guys like the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy not being able to get head coaching jobs because they want those positions filled. You know, Yes, they get these interviews, but they'd have to wait for these teams to lose in the playoffs in order to get those jobs. And I, I think this would be a good rule change. And I understand why teams might be upset because they want to get their offseason rolling. I mean, look at the Jets. They wanted to get their coach hired so they could start making some big decisions. But it does feel kind of unfair for these guys that are worthy of getting jobs. But because the teams that are that they're on are making deep playoff runs, they don't get a legit shot at these coaching vacancies.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And I, and I tend to agree with what Buffalo has proposed. proposed. And it's interesting because I, I guess their theory, them being the Bills, is that Dable was kind of it, w- it was taking him away from his work. But I also see this as another way: as this is a great chance for teams to get their, you know, g- or rather coordinators to get real chances. Because you looked at what happened with Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. There's been the the report, not even the report, but just the idea that he's not getting these chances because they want him working on the staff the minute the season ends. You know, you look at what the Jets did with the forty with. uh with um, Robert Sala, Sala, and he was working on his, his guys right away. And now you'd have a team that takes enemy have to wait another month plus before they can get their guys together. So I think this is a good idea, but I also wonder if teams are just going to break that rule and start kind of interviewing people in secret and kind of tampering, more or less, because that's something you see you know, backdoor channels across most leagues. And, and that'd be the one concern that I'd have with this type of rule. Yeah, I think uh,
0: the Bills GM, Brandon Bean, said it. He put it really nicely. He said, this is a dream job for Brian Dable or Leslie Frazier, just like it was a dream job for me to get into the C. As much as we don't want to lose those guys, we still want to root for their success. So it's kind of like you said, part of it, I think, was that you know Dable was interviewed three times the week of the Colts' uh, wildcard game. So it's kind of like, A, they're being taken away from you know working with their current team for hours on end, and then B, he doesn't even get a legit shot. Like People thought he was in line to be the new uh the next chargers uh head coach but the bills making an extra round and instead the chargers go and hire the rams defensive coordinator maybe to kind of get him rolling a couple weeks before dave would be able to so it's just opportunities like that where i think the nfl is kind of trying to write some some not write some wrongs but it just feels right but again like you said i mean i wonder if the jets would have been upset if they kind of had to wait around to to sign a head coach
1: yeah it's it just an odd Scenario now. Now, Luke, I I don't know how much you follow the the athletics coverage of Syracuse uh, basketball. Uh, I I don't have an athletic subscription, but I've been scrolling through. Uh, Matthew Gutierrez is their beat reporter, and yeah. he writes: "Beheim says via Zoom that I've never played basketball before, and I am five foot two, so I'm not qualified to have an opinion on Syracuse." So, we, so Beheim said that this Wait. reporter is five foot two, right? Or is Jim Beheim five foot two? Well,
0: Jim Beheim's not
1: five foot two. Wait, Jim Beheim said that this the the this, writer can't. The, yeah, to the writer, but I don't, I don't think is that it doesn't sound like Beheim. I thought he was usually respectful. I thought he was too. That that sounds like something Coach K would say to a reporter. I mean, his it does. And, and they won. I don't know why he's doing this. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, Jim Beheim's
0: over six feet, and he played college basketball, so I don't think that would be directed at him.
1: No. So it's got to be on. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I thought
0: Jim would be in a good mood tonight. Yeah, I mean, they did won. won two in a row. They, they beat Clemson they ended and
1: UNC, the real blue bloods, the real heart of the ACC. They're back. Hey, Clemson, Clemson's 15-5 and five this year, so I don't want to hear the slander. They're, They're back, man. You Clemson, they were going to be like, what, a, a, a 7 or 8 seed? Yeah. In a meaningless game exactly. on, a, on a Wednesday night. Syracuse is Wednesday back, afternoon. Wednesday
0: afternoon, 5 o'clock, tip. That's, that's night.
1: That is night. Gets dark killed. Uh, yeah,
0: but it's a weird time. It Actually, is. no, it's it's not dark out. I don't know if you've seen the Sun doesn't set till like, 6 now. Really? Yeah. Moon or go outside are. once in a while. Go outside once go. in a while. We'll move on to, <laughs> we'll move on to some, uh, some more football talk. Tom Brady took a shot at the Jets on the James Corden show. And James Corden said, uh, I might not make Tampa, but could I play for the Jets? To which Brady replied, you might be able to play for the Jets. You're
1: right about that. So... Matt, the Jets still living rent-free in Tom Brady's head. Hey, all I'm going to say is the Jets, they're not the biggest clown show in the NFL. Jacksonville's worse, baby. Jacksonville I don't know. is worse. The Jets won two games last year. Could James That's Corden true. do that? And really, what position is James Corden going to play on a football team? Like offensive line? line? <laughs> Left bench? What do you got, James Corden? I'd love to see what? you try to stop uh, Indominus Sue or whoever it? else. Is it James Corden a Brett? Yeah.
0: So you should be a fan of his work? No, not a fan. Okay. So you, you don't have to love all British people? No, I, that I, was I like just don't rule. really like him. I just, I'm not a okay, Speaking of offended. British,
1: Luke, I just started The Crown last night. Really? Yeah. Have you
0: seen it? No, my parents have. It's very interesting. My mom's a, my mom's a big fan. Of, of British people or just the show? Of of The Crown. And They also like Downton Abbey, so maybe they are fans of British maybe. people. So they'd love me. Yeah, they would. I think they would. I mean, you're yeah, and my brother uh, did a uh, a whole semester over in England. He worked for uh, for NBC in London, so he's a big British guy too. He's very he's got the, kind of the demeanor of a, of a Brit, kind of similar to you, big tea guy, uh, just really big into the British culture in general. So yeah, I guess I guess you would fit in here, but I'm not. You know me, I'm not a Brit guy. I'm a big I'm a big US guy.
1: You are. You're a really big US guy. I wouldn't say that. I
0: really wouldn't <laughs> say that. People, we've we've had conversations. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really big into any of that. So, what
1: country would you move to if you could? Oh, I'm a big ah, I like France, but I don't know how they are as a country. I just like you have to pay to go to the bathroom in France. Really, a lot of a lot of public restrooms. You gotta like drop a quarter. Do they have bidets? No. Always wanted to try one. Kind of scared. Yeah, I don't know how it cleans you. If I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm a little nervous about. Seems like it'd be a little bit of a shock to the system.
1: So I've never, i never tried temperature be is really concerning for me. Cause if that's cold water, I don't know. Oh. I, can, I don't know if how it's how like through that. If it's like a
0: high school drinking fountain level of like ice cold, like Oof. we had at my high school. Oh man, I'm not with that. I don't think I'm okay. That with is that. scary. No, but I like the U.S. I, I like the idea of Australia, but there's too many things that can kill you there and too many things I'm, I'm
1: afraid of. So I couldn't really do that. Canada, maybe I don't I, know. I've heard, I've heard Australia is gorgeous. I've heard it's stunning.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is, but I would never go there. There's too many things that could kill me, so I'll, yeah. I'll pass on Australia. Uh, but yeah, Tom Brady takes a shot at the Jets. I just wanted to include that because Jets fans are are a little bit upset about it, as I would be too. You know, if they talk about the Bills, I would probably be a little upset. Uh, but we go to the next story. Let's let's talk some Trevor Bauer. And uh, there was a story that came out today from Starting Nine, which is the Barstool Baseball Podcast with Karabas and with Dallas Braden. And apparently, Trevor Bauer was going to sign with the Mets in order to save face after a leaked merch drop linked him to the Mets. So his agent, Rachel Lubo, is on the show. And she said that Bauer didn't want to break their hearts of Mets fans, so he's going to just sign with them because of that leak. He told him that, uh, She told him to go for a walk to clear his head. He came back and ultimately chose the Dodgers. First of all, he, I think he chose the Dodgers because of that contract. I don't think it had to do with the, taking that walk or anything like that. And second of all, this kind of seems like a story that – is kind of made up to to maybe make amends with Mets fans because they were pretty upset with how things went down.
1: But why does he need to make amends with Mets fans? Why does he care? Like, why does this matter to, to him or to? He, he to clearly anybody?
0: he clearly feels bad for duping them or for that leak getting out but because I mean, he donated money. You know, he's doing this now.
1: Then move on with it. Like, I don't know why it's still a story. You didn't sign with yeah. them. That's perfectly okay. That's your right as a player. You donated money to them to show you were sorry. You explained why it happened. Now move on. The Mets fans think this was just a practical joke to play on the Mets. Like, why would you do yes. that? Why would you? Why, why would you want to do that?
0: Because what's he's Trevor point? Bauer. But he what's likes the point of it? the
1: news? I don't know. Well, to, you know, he's make... going to make news either way. He's going to make news for making a bajillion dollars this year. Like, he doesn't need to make more news. No, yeah, I get that totally. And I think that the interesting part of this is that everything
0: that he does is on video. I mean, he's always got video cameras around. We've seen him at. Spring training with the Dodgers always has cameras. And maybe that's the 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 bullet that was dodged that Sandy Alderson couldn't talk about is just he is kind of a lot to have. I mean, he's always got cameras around on his teammates. He's always vlogging. You know, even taking out the social media use and some people would say social media abuse out of it with Trevor Bauer, he definitely is a guy that is is very kind of in your face at all times.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because that plays I guess pretty well in LA cuz you have that Hollywood mentality. But I still it still doesn't make sense to me cuz he's from LA, like all of it makes sense. I don't know why he's taking the Mets so personally. Like he's not a guy yeah. that's a sensitive person for the most part, at least on the on the outside exterior. So why does it matter kind of what they think? And I think he likes being a villain too. Like this, like Mets fans are gonna boo him every single time that he
0: plays them, and think I think that really kind of care
1: though. Like, does this really matter to Mets fans? The fans Orioles that... booed Mark DeShera for like ten years after he chose the Yankees over them. I don't care about the Orioles fans. I care about the, the Mets fans. Like, talk to me. And baby. they're gonna boo. Are you telling me Mets fans? They're gonna boo him Matt, for count for the, the next money. Three years? Count the money. I'm not saying they're you not should not care about it. I'm just telling like, you that they're going it. to boo him. <sighs>
0: are going to boo him. You don't think they're going to boo him? There is
1: no reason for the Mets to boo Trevor Bauer. He signed for more money in his hometown. What else is there? What else is there? The Mets aren't this beautiful team that everyone wants to play for. I'm sorry. The Dodgers just won a World Series, and they'll probably win another one. Why wouldn't he want to go there?
0: Because the fans feel slighted. They feel oh, like bite
1: me. he toyed with them. They feel like he released this and then left. All right, maybe they t- maybe he told them a little bit with like the whole like leading up to the thing, but give me a break. But he's saying I did not do it on purpose. That's what he's trying yeah, to do he here. He's so to- why do we have to say, oh, I was going to sign with you? I wouldn't want like how terrible is that? Like, wait, you're gonna you're just gonna opt out after one year? That's not much better. That's cra- That's also crazy to me. Like he really feels that bad that like he would do that. That's crazy. Yeah, or maybe he would he's never just, see me do that. I'm not that good a person, I guess. Well, I know you want it if, if, I don't think, if it leaks, I don't then I'll think, donate money. Like I guess if that makes them feel better. Like I'm not gonna go spend a year of my life in miserable to go appease people I've never even met.
0: I think with Bauer as well is like he doesn't strike me as someone that would make up for something that he felt like was wrong. Like he doesn't. I'm. Not, it seems like he just embraced the villain role. But I guess I guess I'm wrong here in the, in this scenario. But that that'll wrap up on Man Rush, Matt. What'd you think? Pretty good. That was solid. You're listening to the Watling and Owens Podcast, sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network.
1: Wrapping up our week, Luke, on a Wednesday. Three shows for us here on 88.9, WNYO. And and Luke, we'll start with the news out of uh, Aaron Boone's camp. We kind of teased it in the beginning, but just to to mention it here, uh, he'll miss some time. He's going to have a pacemaker implanted in his heart. Uh, dating back to 2009, he actually had uh, open heart surgery to kind of alleviate some of his issues, and and now he could be gone for as little as 48 to 72 hours. But you know, Brian Cashman didn't really know how far it'd be if it'd be beyond that. But it, I don't say it seems routine because it's always scary to to work with your heart. But they're saying that he's you know he's he's looking forward to getting back to the game, back to the team, and and actually Brian Cashman had said that he was part of the, uh, the the Zoom meeting, the daily Zoom meeting from the hospital bed. So to kind of show the the care he has for the organization and, and the people in it on Aaron Boone, we obviously send our kind of thoughts along with him.
0: Yeah, and it, uh, it actually got put out a, just like I think about a half hour ago is that his surgery went well, he's recovering, so that's good to hear. And it's got to be scary. I mean, 2009, he's 48 now, so... You know, he would have been in his, his late 30s back then. I mean, that's a scary time to have heart issues. So definitely good for him to get that taken care of. Was kind of experiencing some shortness of breath, things like that. So good for him to get taken care of. Like you said, our thoughts are, are with him. And, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm sure he won't rush back. It's just, it's spring training. You know, the, the team can go without the, the health of their manager. But a, a young guy, still just 48 years old. So hopefully that those health issues kind of subside a little bit.
1: And, Luke, to wrap things up here before we go to break and then send you off for the rest of your day, James Harden returns to Houston. They're playing right now. It's 13-11 uh, in favor of Houston, about six and a half minutes left in the first quarter. And there's a story out by Malika Andrews of ESPN saying that James Harden wanted, uh, hopes the fans show love in return in his return to the city. And it's too soon, man. It- it's too soon. I-, I get it. You know, you love the city. What you've done for that city is unbelievable ever since he left, you know, donating tons of money to, uh, you know, the Houston rocket to uh, Houston and for food and things like that with the, the snow situation. But you can't expect cheers. Your first, your first game back after what you did, you know, three months ago, four months ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it when he got sent over Then That's how it was kind of a, a poor way of handling it. And there's no reason for rockets fans to to embrace him right now. Like, yeah, they can look a couple of years uh, from now and be like, "Hey, that was pretty cool." I mean, Thunder fans haven't really forgiven Kevin Durant. Like, they still they still give it to him when when he's in town. So you know, it could take some time to heal. And you know, for for Harden, I don't think he handled it the right way. I think he kind of he kind of admitted that, kind of didn't admit that because he said it had to be done. But yeah, definitely no reason for Rockets fans to to be anything but ruthless towards him. But I think he has to expect that. I mean. You know when you go back to a place like that, they're going to boo you. You just kind of have to embrace it and things like that. And Especially this Rockets team. They've lost 12 in a row, Matt. This would be their 13th. So a real tribute to James Harden to lose their 13th uh, game in a row, which is the number that they're going to retire for him if, if the Nets are able to win tonight.
1: And if the Nets win tonight, Luke, and the the uh, 76ers lose, which right now they're losing by five to the Jazz, the Brooklyn Nets would be at the top of the Atlantic division and the Eastern conference after all the issues they've had after Kyrie's missed a billion games, he wouldn't talk to the media, you know, the, the, the diva, the drama that was James Harden to get to Brooklyn, all of that would be the best team in the Eastern conference. How about that?
0: Yeah. And and after we talked about how, yeah, they just need to get to the playoffs. They'll figure it out from there. They're figuring it out right now. Like it's March and they've already figured it out. They're going to go into the all-star break. They're going to get KD back. I mean, they're just in a really, really good spot right now. And it's, it's a good time to be a Nets fan and to be able to talk about the Nets.